Don't try to master everything in your 20s. You can master one thing. Master the life of the son. Learn how to live life as a son relating with a father. Everything else is going to flow from that. You're a man of strong passion. A warrior of great courage. Designed and created to conquer. To crush it in singleness and marriage. To master fatherhood, finance, and health. You were made to reign in life. Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to episode 018 of the Reign in Life podcast. This is the first week of February, and that means that between this podcast and next week's podcast, that means 80% of us have ditched our resolutions. That's a true statistic. I didn't make that up. Seriously, 80% of us. And if you fall within that 80%, like I do, that means that... (laughs) I've already let go of some of the things that I vowed to myself that I was going to do, right? Just be mindful of how you're measuring success, right? Just be mindful that your that your actions, your successes and your failures aren't you. And don't worry about what you're doing and what you're not doing, but focus on who you want to become at the end of the year, who you want to become as a result of these resolutions. Does that make sense? Boom. That one was free. Guys, let's shift gears and get to today's show. This is the first time I'm actually ever having two guests at one time. And it's a great conversation that I know you will enjoy. They're the writer producer and director team that runs and sons they're the brains behind that masterpiece that's a platform for guys in their 20s who want to understand their moment and invest in their own soul they're normal dudes just like you and me when they're not in the office or with their families they're outside they're hunting they're biking they're riding motorcycles in the colorado backcountry and you get to see this in their killing lion series on youtube i'll put links below and you get to hear about it in their weekly podcast the and sons podcast gentlemen i want to introduce Sam Eldridge and Blaine Eldridge. Gentlemen, how you doing today? Good, Ray. Doing really well. Yeah, happy to time with you. Thanks for having us on your show. A lot of my walk in my early 20s has been as a result of understanding myself better because of the ways that you guys have been able to communicate things that you are learning right? Like you being in the middle of it and things that you have learned. So I appreciate how candid you guys have been in everything you're doing, um, everything you've done and just how honest and vulnerable you guys have been for everybody in, in, in all of your, um, different mediums from your platforms, but not everybody knows you as well as I might again through, through your platform. So go ahead and introduce yourself to our listeners and, uh, tell us a little bit more about who you are, what you guys do. Yeah. Well, great. First, super honored. That's, that's huge for us to get to hear and be a part of. And really, we've been doing this project called Ansons for years now, uh, about seven years. In the, if we take it all the way back to where the dream started with uh, Blaine and I, the third brother Luke, and our dad sitting around one Thanksgiving, smoking a cigar in the garage, just really wanting content that spoke to us and invited us online that didn't exist. And we actually had this moment where we were like, well, if we want it, let's go out there and create it. Let's let's give it a swing. So we started really low bar, uh, putting up content for free on this free to use, uh, build your own websites. And over the last seven years, it's grown into some films and a weekly podcast. We now do a print magazine. And really, a lot of it's been motivated by sometimes the teacher doesn't know the question. Sometimes the student knows the question better. Of just where's the pain? What are you wrestling with? What's what's the day to day? In the hope that there may be an answer, and we get to go discover it together. 
And so that's why our, our tagline now on the print is initiation and the end man's soul. That's really what we're about in the direction that we've been headed in the last seven years and really launched online, what, five years ago. So it's been that time has flown by, man. That's just wild. Yeah, it, like it really has gone pretty fast. Because I was just talking to my wife about this. Like, you remember these guys? I showed you some of their uh, stuff on on online, their online magazine. I'm having those guys on, and and she understands. She remembers who it was. Um, so the fact that you guys were were completely online, right? You had an online presence, and now you're doing print. Why the switch to print? Yeah, and there are so many so many pieces there. I would say the, it just kind of goes back to Marshall McLuhan media theory. The medium is the message. And we, you know, we love having a podcast and it's great to be able to reach a wider audience online. But ultimately when we're totally committed to the formation of the young man's soul, you have to get into his world. You have to slow down. Uh, you need, actually, you need a man's attention for more than 30 seconds. And the best way to do that, we decided was, let's go against uh, sort of best practices. And in a paperless world, in the digital world, let's actually deprecate our online platform and let's make the meat of what we do a magazine. But it really represents kind of the core of what Amazon is about, which is, it is actually better to deeply invest in a go. We really think if you change one man's soul, you change his whole world. And that the heart is the core of the issue. And so we're actually willing to sacrifice a major portion of our audience to really change a few men. Man, I, your passion and the passion that you guys carry is absolutely well-spoken in everything that you do. And the, the print does make sense. It really did. Um, and the fact that you guys launched it, that you guys have just kept people, um, kept people hooked. It's a testament to your, first of all, writing abilities, but your storytelling abilities. Like you guys, your whole family, for some reason, God has just blessed you guys with storytelling. Um, you guys have always been good with, uh, with the writing, um, the, the block style writings and everything, but even with the movies that you guys did. So I'm wondering if you can explain to us a little bit more about why it's important to, um, to be good at storytelling or to, uh, to see ourselves in story. Yeah. Oh, it's such a great category for people to think about. Um, I actually have had some advice. I got a degree, my undergrad was in English and I want to go back to current English majors and tell them, you don't have an English degree. You actually have a marketing degree because the whole world is telling stories. And if you aren't aware of the story that you're telling yourself or the story that you're playing out, the world's going to be ready to offer you one. And that can range from the story of the oil that they want to sell for you to put in your car. That can be the story of any given religion, any given political view, any given narrative for why life is happening. And so whatever the scale story is happening, it's going on. I think the better we are at reading story, we know not everybody has to be like a phenomenal storyteller. But as long as you have the eyes to see, oh, like what's being communicated? What's, what's the invitation here? How does this read as it applies to my life, as it applies to others? That's a skill set that I think anybody can have. And most people really should begin to practice. You just find yourself getting less vulnerable to 
marketing and weaker stories. And you'll be able to see views of your life a lot better. Because this is a big piece of pain for guys in their 20s. Is it feels like just this isolated moment. It feels like you're behind. You've wasted time. It, you're in, for a lot of guys, you may be in a dead-end job. They may, you're like, what am I doing? I thought I had this momentum. I had this vision of my life down the road. But there's no story that connects those dots. There's no story for this moment. So one of the pieces that we offer is, what if there was no wasted time? What if God was using the time in the coffee shop or the time in college that you never use that degree, but that's forming things in you? All of a sudden, there's dignity. All of a sudden, there's purpose. And that that's all about the story of your life. And so that's why, man, we love telling stories because we, we just love, we grew up with them. But we also feel like at some level, every human being needs to be at least familiar with reading the stories around them. Right. What do you think, Blaine? It's just such a good question. I love what you're saying, Sam. Where I would say uh, you are, your soul is brilliantly designed to recognize reality. You have an innate capacity to recognize what is real. And reality comes to us as a story. It's like a key value here in the larger organization in which we participate, which is called Ransom's Heart, that just goes, Listen, reality, your life does not come to you as a set of facts. Reality actually comes to you with characters. And just to go, it is wild to think of the fact that your life has themes. Your life has symbols. Your life actually will follow the trajectory of the great epics. Your life is opposed. And actually, that the the assault on your life has a strategy and its own narrative that you can discover over time. And it's, it's, it's so key to go, um, when, you know, the enlightenment mathematician, Blaise Pascal Ponce was writing a book about trying to reconcile what's the role of the mind in, um, a life with God. And, he has this brilliant observation where he said, uh, let no one say I am repeating only the arguments that have come before, like the skilled tennis player. I play the ball differently. And like what he knew is it wasn't just what you said. It was how you did it. And it was how it was actually like the art and the appeal with which you were able to capture. Uh, if the story that we're living in is epic, then we should be able to portray it in a way that captures some of its epic nature. That's so good. That book, by the way, you reference Penses, mm-hmm. however you say it, it's not very long, but it's phenomenal. I mean, basically anything in there can just be pulled and feel like these mic drops of, of deep thought. It's so. like, yeah, 16th century status updates, <laughs> just like all matched together. That's tweetable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Whenever you guys are talking about like, uh, being able to see your story, being able to see like the, the uh, road between the two dots. I started to think about um, Brene Brown. She's a shame and vulnerability researcher. And uh, in her book, Darren Greatly, I, I recently read it and just recommended it to, to everybody that I, that I uh, talked to. She says, if you become, when you become shame resilient, what you're able to do is you're able to write your own ending. 
to your story, right? Because what ends up happening is like when we have shame and we allow shame to come in and define the masculine role, we let ourselves just kind of buy into all the other stories. And one of the good ones, I was watching Game Changers because, uh, whatever, like I type, I like the vegetarian diet, right? So I was just talking about that. Literally we were talking about that half an hour ago. Awesome. So, so you guys know what I mean. Now they, um, they're talking about how men are so driven by this marketing scheme of you're a man when you have meat, you know, <laughs> and in all actuality, like guys, come on, really? Like your masculinity is defined by the fact that you have beef in your hands. It's Ron Swanson from Parks and Rec, but just like the stash of bacon in his desk. Cause that's like what <laughs> real masculinity is. Right, right. Exactly. So then like, if I, if I like allow all of that to speak to me, to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's when I'm a man. And I'm a man when I actually shoot that deer and gut this and shoot that. And, and then I go get with this girl and do that. Like these things define me. Like now I'm just, I'm wandering aimlessly, just going from place to place to place, never connecting it. Uh, but you guys have said that, um, or I've heard you guys say before that people give themselves over to small stories. Again, people give themselves over to small stories. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? It's a narrative. It's a world that really feels safe and it feels controllable. So they they may feel like a sense of danger for the person doing it. But an example would be um, a guy who coaches the high school football team and his world becomes just that. It's just the next season. It's just the next drill. And you can tell the small story when everything else begins to fall off. So he's distant from his family. He's not really in his work. He's not really pursuing God. It's just this. And in there, he feels like he's seen. He feels like he has something to offer, which is actually why there's a lot of sympathy for men who end up in quote unquote small stories because we're seeking after a sense of belonging, a sense of adventure, a sense of competency. I think that's what can lead some people into it. There can be some pain of, I don't know if I have what it takes. I don't know if I can go after this next promotion or this girl or start my own business. Therefore, I'm just going to, I'm going to hedge my bets and I'm going to have a cigar in the garage and that's going to be my big adventure. Like it, that's, that's really, I'm going to put the ceiling on it. And it's, it's heartbreaking because there's, there needs to be the initiation it's not just, hey, come out of that shell. Hey, you should be a better man. You can't, like as you said before, can't shame somebody for doing that. Can't shame somebody to what else is out there. But I've had so much empathy now for guys who end up in these small stories because it does seem to be what they're lacking are these deep heart answers. They're, they're missing the, you have what it takes. You have a father, God, who wants to invite you into new things. And if you don't have those categories, yeah, you bet. Let's make the world small because there's a lot of pain and a lot of unknown out there. I would just give some examples uh, because, you know, you just responding to what you were saying, Sam. I was thinking, how, how would I nutshell it? And I would just go, any story where you can actually play the main role or any story where a person can play the main role. And so... I am a mountain biker. I am a Republican. I am a Democrat. I am a pilot. I am a, just fill in the blank. We love weightlifting and triathlon, but our life is not about being triathletes. 
And just to go, uh, the story is small. If the stakes are so low, you are actually a match for them. Uh, Whoa. That's good. Just to go, you're married. And so, you know, all the time that marriage is actually the acceptance of a much bigger story where I remember I was praying about marrying uh, my now wife. And I was like, Jesus, I'm just afraid that I'm not for, I'm not enough for Emily. And he actually laughed. And I heard, oh, you're not, and you'll never be. And that's a good thing. thing. Um, I'm not actually supposed to come as the answer to Emily's need. Like, I am Emily's partner in a restoration that only God can do. And it's so much bigger than that. It just has a feeling. I get it. I always want to retreat into stories where I can handle it because it is very threatening to go, Jesus, if you don't come through, if God is not real and does not show up in some way, we are screwed. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a really good point. Like I was about to ask. So do you think that we just kind of maybe draw two small stories because we're like, this is safe. I don't need it to be initiated in anything. Like I've got either already got it figured out. It's uh, not outside of any boundaries, not outside of anything that I already don't understand. So I'm just going to focus here, stay here, stay safe. Yeah. And that's what's really great. And you know, like a small example, you did the football coach and it's a great one. And to go, you know, what about the guy who's the football coach who he knows football so well and he's watched tapes and he understands the strategy and any football question that comes up, he can answer. But then he notices that his uh, his team captains have started drinking too much on the weekend. And suddenly he has a problem. It's under his domain, uh, but he doesn't know what to do. And to go, the gravitational pull would be, your team captains, you got to step up. Okay, now here's what we're going to do. Uh, to accept a bigger story would be to go, yeah, I'm a football coach, but ultimately, ultimately, I actually am investing in the souls of teams of young men year after year. And so I don't know how the conversation is going to go, but it's like, guys, all the players are talking about how you're drinking on the weekends and you're, you know, doing too much. What's going on? I'm wondering what, what was that moment for you that you realized like I'm in a small story or this is too much of a small story. Let me, think bigger. Let me look at the larger story. Share about, share one of those instances, one of those moments or the moment. What do you think? I got one from the summer, a small story. I grew up camping as a family, being out in the outdoors, loved it. And it's something I want to do for my family. So I've got two young kids and I'm really into like not making things more complicated than they need to be. So I'm like talking to my wife, babe, bringing in a tent, bringing all these places, it's going to be great. She's like, we have a one-year-old and a two-year-old. Do you want to bring them in a tent? Are you out of your mind? So after lots of back and forth, we ended up buying this janky pop-up trailer that's as old as I am off of Craigslist so we could have this like hard space, put the kids far away. And it was great. We, like, we took it out of the woods. The problem was when it stopped being great. We went on our third trip and the kids just lost it. Like It was the perfect excuse for me to say, like, let's pack it up. Let's fill the kids back in the car. We're waking up the rest of the campground. My wife chose to push through it because she really wanted to spend more time where we were the next day. And for me, it actually, it revealed the small story. And it revealed that I had been living the narrative of, this is up to me. This particular, like, bringing my family into camping, which I think is really good. I think it's really beautiful. And it's something I do intend to do. But I was doing it without God. Mm. I was doing it 
where when things got hard, I got frustrated and I felt incapable of fixing them. I'm looking at the parts of this pop-up that actually are falling apart and need my attention and I don't know what to do about them. And I feel like an orphan. I feel like it's up to me. No one's going to come through. No one's going to be here. And it's like, wait, why? I know the answer to all these things is the opposite of what I'm feeling. So it was really surprising to have all that get evoked and, and revealed this like the deeper thing that was operating in an area that I do believe is worth pursuing. So I don't, I think that's a, a piece of this. We're not trying to shame what may be the story. We're not trying to shame someone for being a football coach or for any number of things. It becomes a small story and painful and often has to be revealed when we just like, it's all up to us. Like oh, that, 100%. That 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I've got one from last night. Let's hear it. Ooh. Uh, so Fresh. Last night, and putting our daughter down. And so I'm thinking through, and what, you know, what's on my mind is a couple friendships where dudes have just been just, just been shaping me for like a while. And, you know, one of those relational periods where it's like, man, how do you guys, but you just kind of annoy me. And, uh, it, you know, where's the mojo? I'm frustrated and, and wondering how to handle it. Uh, and in the middle of it, um, Advent coming up right now, it's going to be Christmas time. So I'm also thinking about, you know, we're going to host these Advent times. I'm thinking of what would be a good way to frame it. So I'm looking for the right resource. And I end up watching the old trailer for The Return of the King. And while I'm watching this trailer for, you know, the Lord, this Lord of the Rings epic, I suddenly find that embarrassing feeling of, oh God, you really are talking to me right now. And it's what would I do if that was the context? If I were one of those people living in the great battle of our time. And it was this significant shift of, well, it really wouldn't be about um, my friends are irritating me and I need to get them to treat me right. It would be like, we actually all need to be able to play our role. And for them to be able to play their role, I actually need to go to them and express some hurt and then ask other things that like can actually push into the pattern maybe a little bit of why they relate in the way that they do. But it just shifted from a small story of can I get my relational world right to a big story of what if you guys were all needed in the cattle? Yeah. Like of good and evil. How how then would you relate to your friends? Yeah. And I'm like, I'm repenting last night going, you're right. Like, not about me trying to arrange these guys. These relationships do matter onto something. And therefore, like, the conversations that I'm going to have are going to be different. That's so good. I'll, I'll share I'll share one with you guys and let's see if you can uh, dissect it a little bit. Tell me what you think about it. So the one that came to mind as you guys are sharing these, I remember um, I went, I'm already in the Marine Corps. Right. I'm already married. So I'm 21 and some change. I've like, I'm a man, right? Cause I'm married and I'm in the military and I'm about to go get a gun, which will solidify my masculinity even more. Right. And so state of California, beautiful state. I go over to a gun store, wait my 10 day grace period. And I go to pick up my first shotgun. Um, so I've shot expert on a rifle First time ever was in the military. I shot a uh, sh- uh, expert on the pistol. First time ever shooting a pistol in the military. 
I realized after I went in and picked up my shotgun, holy crap, this is the first time I've ever held a shotgun. <laughs> so I'm looking at this thing and I'm like, so it's so awkward because I'm like, I really don't know how to hold it. I'm kind of trying to look like I and pretend like I know what I'm doing because I'm like a manly man. Right. Um, I go out to the, to the, to the guy at the front and I ask him, Hey, where are the magazines for this? Mind you, I'm talking about like a magazine that you stick at the bottom of a shotgun, which I realize now that they really do have those. But I really thought that my shotgun needed a magazine where I was going to put the slugs in when really it had a magazine tube. Yeah, you know what I mean? Really cool. yeah, so, with you in this story. so I go out to my car, my wife, my beautiful bride with the sun shining in on her beautiful California sun. She says, wow, babe. You got your first gun. What do you think? Are you happy? I looked at her. I'm not kidding, guys. Here's this grown man, air quotes. I couldn't do anything but weep. I literally just started to cry. She's like, what happened? What's going on? I realized that in that moment, I felt so like... I felt so attacked while I was in there. I, like I told you, I felt awkward. I didn't know what I was doing. Like I kind of just felt like uh, I didn't know how to hold this thing. Didn't know the nomenclature of all these gun pieces. And at the end of it, I walked to the car and I'm just realizing like, there's nobody here to father me and I'm pissed. There's nobody here to show me how to use this and I'm pissed. And I'm just sitting here trying to play this role being this tough, badass Marine. And really like, there's nothing there. Every young man has that story and but what I, most young men aren't able to understand the why yeah i would say kind of the, i mean your framing of the larger story there is actually phenomenal where you know the, the small story is i'm a soldier picking up a gun and i know what to do and why is this frustrating the larger story is um i'm meant to live in close relationship with a loving father Yes. And I feel like I don't have that right now. And what was supposed to make me feel like a man is making me feel small. Right. Like, and totally standard. Yes. And to go, um, if I were in a story that was meant for me to have a restored relationship with a father who was invested, how would I do that? And actually engaging with surfacing your heart. There, there's the invitation to the larger story versus just going, you know, how many guys would go, back to their car, um, compartmentalize, segment it, be like, you know, tell a joke, like, man, I didn't even know about where that went, ha ha, and then move on. Right. As though the only thing that were happening was a guy who didn't know how to use a shotgun yet. And it's like, oh, that's, that's what you see. Yeah. What was happening was like oh. the immortal search of the son for his father to be like raised up in the way of manhood. Yeah, those... The emotions that are the flags for me, there's more than just feeling out of place. There's, there's like this disappointment with an experience of like, I, I was looking at this and I know something's missing. So there's that first like disappointment and then shame jumps in. And then as you walk back out to the car and your wife's ready to like cheer you for this moment, you feel what isn't there you feel that gap so strongly like i think those three like those are gonna be the flag posts for people that may not have the full language that you did of i wanted a father to be here and walk me through this and didn't have it most guys are not gonna have that language but they're gonna have those emotions they're gonna have that experience and they're gonna go 
that's like, what's wrong with me? Like, I just feel even more weak. Therefore, enter the poser, the jokes, the whatever to make it, make it not be as painful. And then look for the next bit. Maybe it wasn't a shotgun. Maybe I was supposed to buy an AR. Like, let's go work. Where can I do that? Just let's find the next form of medication for the experience that didn't go well. That's so true. And, you know, I want to say, like, I didn't actually have all the words for it in the moment. But like you said earlier on in the show, you said nothing is wasted, right? Like those times in the coffee shop aren't wasted. The time that you spent doing here, getting this degree that you didn't, you aren't actually using was never wasted. You know, that moment wasn't too far before I started to read uh, Fathered by God. And that book shaped me. It has changed me. It's shaped the way that I parent, the way that I'm, I choose to be intentional. And uh, I think that that story points to that reality that I am continuously being fathered. I just needed to wake up to the fact that I already have a loving father who's walking me through it all. Mm. So, so good. I'm wondering what you guys are doing today to uh, step out of comfort, stepping out of your comfort zone and being tested. How are you guys putting yourself in positions to be tested today? Now, this is coming from the the uh, Killing Lions series that you guys did before you launched the book. I loved it. I was a little bit pissed because of this one thing. Everybody who gets on there will be able to see all of the videos. I had to wait for each video to come out one week after the other, after the other. I was so mad. In our defense, we were barely editing them in time to release them. We were, we were trying really hard. <laughs> That's funny. So there was something else going on behind the scenes. I'm just in here like, I just want to binge. Yeah. So from the context of Killing Lions, ways, ways to be tested, it's super good. Like it's back to that. Where are you going to let the cracks into your small story? Where are you going to, give the opportunity for God to father you and to speak to you. That's, that's actually what that, that testing is allowing. It's making space for it. It's getting uncomfortable. And I think these days because of social media, we, we assume certain things and we say a phrase like get uncomfortable. It means like do a a. 5am workout or go travel, like enter your bank account and go somewhere wild or something like that. Um, that, those can be, those certainly can be uncomfortable, but I don't think the stakes have to be quite that high because it makes a lot of people drop off. Some of the things be in there, like whether they're desires for you to take an art class, but you're like, there are places where you were ashamed of that desire. And there's a community college just across town that's offering them on Wednesday night. Like that actually might be a great place to get tested. So like the spectrum is, is broad. For me, one of the things we got for, we try to, to listen each year around January and December for an, a word for the coming year. My wife and I do this for our family. And it's like, I know the year is going to be complex and there's much that I can't anticipate, but give me a theme, God, for something to be prepared for. Some years we've got them. Some years we haven't because we just stopped asking. It's kind of uncomfortable. The one we got for this year was Frontier. And it certainly has proved true having two kids and not everything go according to plan. Um, well, that's actually where it comes to mind is family. Like where am I allowing myself to be tested is in the fathering of my kids. I actually learned this, this trick from my wife. You got a one year old, a two year old, there's a lot of screaming going on. There's a lot of chaos sometimes. Oh yeah. And there's a lot of, it revealed, 
to an embarrassing degree, just how impatient a person I am. I thought I was way more patient than I turned out. Turns out I'm about like I got about five minutes, and then when it still keeps going, I'm like, I need, I need out, I need a break, I need something else. And she would do this thing of, in those moments, she would ask, she would ask God to use that experience to be growing patience in her, to be growing strength of mother heart for our kids. So I just took that from her and went, okay, I'm going to choose not to dissociate or try to be somewhere else or be looking forward to when the kids are down. I want to actually stay in the moment that's uncomfortable and not exactly what I want to be doing necessarily. There's a lot of times where I love what we're doing, but maybe if I'm reading the same book for the 12th time or cleaning up tea from the floor, it's not exactly ideal. And in those, I now get to be using those moments because even reflecting back to there's no way at the time, like I believe that. So I believe I can invite God into, okay, help cultivate this patience in me. And this is, it's not sexy. It's not on Instagram. It's not even worth writing a blog about. It's just day-to-day stuff that I really want to be laying the foundation for a relationship with my kids. I love that, man. I'm, I'm a couple thousand miles away from you and I'm experiencing the same thing. I'll, I'll confess to you and our listeners. I went through this period of not wanting to help my wife put my kids to bed because that like 20 to 30 minute like time frame was so hectic that I would trade it up. I'd look at my wife and I'm like, babe, if you put the kids to bed by yourself, which meant I got to go lay down on the couch and be on my phone while she did it all. I'll give you a one hour back massage. And I'm not kidding. For over a week, I gave my wife a one hour back massage after the kids were in bed, just so I wouldn't have to do the bedtime routine for 20 to 30 minutes. My wife sits me down and she's just like, you know, we, we've gotten away from the things that we appreciate, that we value. And these are some of the areas. And then this came up and it's just that area of, dude, like you get to do this. Right. Not just like you have to do this. It's your fatherly duties. Like, no, seek out what the larger thing in this is and don't make it so much just about, man, this is tough. How can I get out of it? It's it's how am I growing as a father? Where am I putting myself in a in an uncomfortable place? The hypocrisy comes in when I look at 150 midshipmen that I'm training here at this Navy battalion and I tell them, be comfortable at being uncomfortable right? You need to right. like tension. Uh, you need to go after hard things. And then I go home and I'm like, oh, I'd rather not. <laughs> what do you think, Blaine? I had a few areas because, you know, one of the things out of the killing lion series was you do go the ability. And so I'm like, where's the easiest way that I'm putting myself in the way of hard things is my mountain bike. And I just go, oh, the easiest one, like a couple times a week, I'll go. And, you know, you become a dad and your risk tolerance goes way down. And so there's kind of like, you look at things and it's not just that would hurt. It's like, I can't hurt myself. I have a family. Um, even so, there's like, there are pretty simple ways to form that ability in myself. And we have a, we have a coworker whose son is an exceptional mountain biker, 16 years old way better than me, but I just go with him on a pretty regular basis just to go, you know what? That's an opportunity to get out there on a pretty low stakes place. I'd say higher stakes, uh, here are a couple, every single thing in my house. Uh, every, <laughs> it's like, 
everything, every single thing is broken and need, need to fix it. But it, you know, it returns to the father place of, seriously, it's, it's just the faucet, the toilet and the ceiling fan, but it feels like everything. Exactly. Yeah. Cause it's so always in front of you. It's always right there. So it feels like it's constant all the time. It's everything. It's just like, looking at you and you walk in the door. Right. Yeah. And so I would go, what triggers the, I'm alone. There's no one to show me how to do this. Um, it's my outfit. So it's a couple weeks ago, the water heater goes out. I didn't, I actually didn't notice for three days. Uh, it's a cold bath. Well, because like I realized I only ever shower at the office. Uh, and so, and then I, you know, I do the dishes, but I've always done the dishes with cold water for some unknown reason for a European. And so my wife is like, Laura here is out. And I go, really? Is it? And she goes, and, you know, it's like a Sunday afternoon. She's like, it went out Friday morning. <laughs> and I'm like, what have you done? She's like, we haven't taken showers. We haven't. I'm like, what? Um, okay. Water here. How much other? Not a lot. Um, but again, there was the, this sort of this learned thing felt in Fathered by God, great resource, totally recommended to every guy in his 20s out. Um, but he, when you believe you can be fathered by God, you can go, Father, I asked you to father me in fixing this water heater. And then I remembered that my neighbor, who's actually younger than me, just had his water heater go out and had like a week's long diagnosis, multiple layers. And, and it occurred to me, who would know what to do? My neighbor, who's younger, who I should know better than. But I have someone who's younger than me come over. And he starts kind of walking through like, okay, oh, this, so pull up, you know, pull off the manifold, pull off the burner. This thing is called the thermopile. It's probably the thermopile and go, it would be really easy to go. You see, I don't, I don't have it together. Everybody else has it, but me, this young guy knows how to do it. But what's happening is this like, no, no, I'm pushing into father. You can use a younger man to father me and I can receive father from God in this scenario and go, okay, what is it? A thermopile? Okay. How do you take it off? Okay. And just, it would be, you know, and I have every excuse also to call a repair guy in this, which is, I'll do in other scenarios, but I felt in that one, like, Father, you're available to places. I'm going to push in. I'm not going to go. I'm a, I'm a grown, busy man. I can't fix my water heater. Let's call, you know, Leo's who I've used before, but just to go, here we go. In this particular case, I'm going to push into that. And it, you know, I can just track across. I could work from where my water heater is to where the bedroom is and just say like, oh man, trying to take care of a house is one. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'll, I'll cut it a few examples. Yeah, really just, uh, I mean, but it, <laughs> it's a, this is the point is that it is like, it really is a way of engaging your twenties, the way of the student and the way of the son. So you could almost look at it everywhere. But the good thing is, is we're not pushing into it everywhere. At every moment, there are lots of places where I go, you know what? My initiation is coming. My soul is going and in my marriage, in my house, and in trying to relate a little better to a few friends. And so, like, I'm going to have Jiggy Lou change my oil because I don't have time. Uh, and just to go, oh, this isn't this. This isn't this. Embrace it everywhere. Everything is going to be hard now. It's like, oh, no, no. Uh, a few areas. Right. Yeah. No, yeah, absolutely. 
I think that that's important to remember. Like it, this isn't like a, well, okay, we're going to get off the grid now and we're going to go just <laughs> go do the hardest things ever, you know, which is, uh, absolutely enticing, right. To young men. Um, but I think another thing that you guys are bringing up that I'm, I'm remembering really about myself that I'm still learning, um, and young men in their twenties, I think fall to this is the idea that like, we're always going to the next thing, right? We're always getting ready for the next thing. So it's like the next destination, next destination. But again, in our conversation about story and everything you guys are even describing now, it's like, it's all about this process and this, the intertwining stories, the, the, the traveling roads. And, um, I will say I'm really bad at this and I'm glad I have my wife with me. Who's much more like, Hey, tone it down, pay attention, like look around you. Cause if not, I'm like project, 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 let's get to the next thing. This is pointless. But when God stops me dead in my tracks and is like, um, you've ignored your knee for the last five years. Now your meniscus is so torn. They can't repair it. So they have to tear it out. And that, and now you have to recover, but you want to start running after three weeks. And it, that's the frustration I'm in, right? Like this is, this is it. What do you guys have to say about that? Guilty. Yeah. Guilty as well. I appreciate like it. Knee, that's what I was looking for. The knee is almost, ah, the knee is like a living metaphor, man. Just to apply that all over the place. Um, it's something I do actually seasonally. Um, it, because we're entering into the long, dark, cold nights of winter for me. Like, I just start throwing myself into the future for things that are going to be more exciting, easier, planning trips, planning adventures. And I just start looking at those on the calendar and try. And I'm like, I hate it. I hate it because it means like I am dissociating from all of the time in between. Yes. I started noticing it. I noticed it with my kids when I would, my wife works one day a week. So I have the kids on Saturday by myself and I would catch myself looking at the clock, trying to gauge how much longer until nap time or, or bedtime. And I was like, I just, it was horrible. Yeah. Like, what? I am looking forward to being done with them. And that's going to be my heart and posture for those few hours while they're awake until I get to bedtime. Like that is so broken. That is so messed up. And because it was that extreme of an example for me, it was easier to be like, okay, all right, let's reel it back in and stop trying to skip things that I believe are the very point. You know, being in the moment with my kids, are you kidding me? That's, that's the point of that day. Not a thing to be gotten through. So good. Yeah, I love the new metaphor. I would say we, it is easy for me to hate everything that is dependent in me. Mm. Um, or that reveals like what a dependent being I am. And because, you know, you, I want to have it all, need no one, need nothing. Um, I like, but I'm like, uh, also bed say with nothing but seriousness, I, I am a real expert at making myself miserable. I can totally design a life that I would hate. Mm. Um, and I would go, you asked an email around this conversation, like, what would you tell guys in their 20s? And, or what would you tell my, what would I tell myself at 20? And one of my little tidbits would be, the pull is to master everything. Um, but isolation is not a thing to aspire to. Like, need no one, have it all, do it. Uh, you're just afraid that you won't be able to live your life with the father. And so I'd go, listen, don't try to master everything in your 20s. 
If you can master one thing, master the life of the son, read fathered by God, like learn how to relate, learn how to live life as a son relating with a father. Everything else is going to flow from that. But if you try, if I, in the ways that I've tried instead to like, um, power through weakness, learn things anyway, I've, yeah, all I've done is push the harm, push the consequence down the field and it always catches up and just, exactly. like, yeah. Yeah. Make it worse. Yeah. <laughs> but just to go, well, hey, like slow down, learn the way of the sun and through learning the way of the sun, you, I will get the mastery that I want. But it'll just happen relationally. It won't happen by me becoming an isolated man on a throne. I would also ask the question when that urge is coming up, what are you afraid of? Like what, what are you trying to skip? What are you trying to get through? What, like what, what are you afraid of in this? It's in your intro. It's the fear of missing out. Like, I don't, I don't want to miss out on the next great thing that's happening right now. I need to get there right now. Oh, for me, sometimes it was like thinking back to post-college things felt like I could go in any direction. I was treading water. I was afraid of feeling behind the fear of missing out. Uh, I was afraid of making mistakes and wanted to, wanted to know it was going to work out. Wanting to, wanting to get to the thing that felt better than just putting in the miles. Brene Brown shares this again and Darren greatly. She talks about the fact that people actually have a fear of being ordinary. And the thing that is poisoning our culture is that extraordinary is sexy and extraordinary is a thing to strive for. So no longer is it cool to just be like a regular dude who's just going through the mundane things of life. No, like you need to, when is your next snowboarding trip? When are you rock climbing next? When are you taking that next trail? What's going to be the next, you know, move that you're going to do the next house that you're going to help build, whatever it is, you know, it's, it's like no longer cool to be ordinary. I would say simply, yes, that's huge and utterly devastating. Uh, because, you know, when I would say, here's my fear in that. When someone goes, you're afraid of being ordinary. And I go, but the extraordinary seems more appealing. I would say that the actual fear is, I think I'm afraid that I won't like the life that God wants me to live. And it kind of feels like the you're a kid and you want to play, but your parents say you have to take a nap. And you're like, uh, no, I, what I want to do is get outside. But what your parent actually knows is like, no, no, no. You will love the life where you take a nap in the middle of the day. There is a rhythm and you will enjoy it. But there's the resistance in me to like, I, I want extraordinary. I will like that more. And the fear of like, I won't. Uh, what I'm being called to is actually boring or somehow like, shelves your intense desire what in fact the reality is and what we tell you guys all the time is like you realize you will like a life with god yeah you will like a life lived at a slower pace you will i guarantee you mm. yeah i think it's our dad is the most recent book that's coming out that he wrote is on soul care and one of the things that he talks about is the problem with the upgrade of everything that's actually a symptom of our souls not being well, that we have to medicate with just that, like everything has to be dialed up. And he uses the example of um, the squirrel suit base jumping guys who it's no longer enough to go without a parachute and hydroplane land. You actually have to get them 
landing in the airplane that's coming along beside them. And, you know, I saw that video. My reaction to that video was, huh, that's kind of cool, I guess. Like, that's it. Like, it didn't even peg the meter for me because I've seen Danny McCaskill's mountain biking across this whole mountaintop. Like, everything is just so upgraded. And it does very little for our souls. Like, it does very little for the actual well-being. Right. And I'm like, folks, three authors like Wendell Berry, who just love, they love the craftsmen. They love the person who's dedicated their life to their world and, and their craft and this piece. And so you're like, how do you hold both? How is it that you're afraid of being ordinary when also this person who seems very ordinary, you also feel is extraordinary because they, they just, they chose a path and yeah. they dedicate themselves. Yeah. To it. Like we love that stuff, but instead it's, this guy jumped through a thing of fire. This guy rode a dirt bike on a wave. Have you seen that one? That, <laughs> no. was, that one was wild. <laughs> no way. Yeah. That's a, that's a thing. Yeah. And it's like, but all it does is make me kind of go, eh. And then I'm like on to the next thing that like maybe feels good. So it just, you're looking at the fruit of those things. It's not actually happiness. It's not actually well-being. It's not actually sustainable in my life. Oh, and I mean, we said before, you know, uh, the problem is not that your life is not enjoyable. The problem is that you just don't have a very big capacity for joy. So your life is very enjoyable. You're just not capable yet of enjoying it. Yeah. And that's totally different to go. It's all, It's the difference between having an incredible palate that can enjoy like a great meal versus needing to eat cotton candy all the time. Cause the only thing that scratches your itch is the most concentrated sugar. And yeah. Goes, Actually invest in your soul. Like what I freaking love chopping wood and I haven't always loved chopping wood, but like, this really? yeah. Nice. Oh, dude. One of the great things I think that a guy can do is find a way to have regular wood fires. <laughs> Uh, I'd agree but with that. Like, just go, um, wow, every boy <laughs> that I know liked when he was seven years old, lighting himself on fire in the garage and getting in trouble. Um, and then somewhere along the way, like the deep joy in that gets compromised. And so like taking the step to slow down and get that joy back to go like, wow, I'm really enjoying like, and I, you know, not very long. I'm like swinging the splitting mall for, 20 minutes um, and stacking some wood and be like, oh, because the capacity for joy is established. That's good. Yeah. I guess that's why a man grows to love to mow his lawn from hating as it as a chore to like, man, this is good. <laughs> Therapeutic. Blaine, I heard you say a little bit about what you would go back and tell yourself in your 20s. Sam, what do you think? What would you say to yourself if you can go back for one minute and say, hey, buddy, this, and then you disappear? What's priority number one? Yeah. Surprise! <laughs> I mean, you to disappear afterwards. <laughs> First off, time travel is not real, so get your hopes up. Um, <laughs> I I would say it's not going to be easy, but it's going to be good. It's not going to be fast, but it's going to be the pace that you need. And I would say don't fight those things. Um. I'd say there's a lot of pain coming, but it's going to be all right. Do you think you would listen? Like 20 year old you is going to look at you and be like, what? <laughs> oh, I would, a 20 year old you would be like, what the hell kind of advice is that? 
<laughs> That's the best like, you could come no. up with? Are you kidding? Like, no, give me specifics. Because what I wanted was the roadmap. I wanted to know the answer. And I knew that if I knew the answer for what came next, I would be off and running and not asking any more questions. And so I know I never get the math because if I do, I'm going it alone. Yeah. I'm leaving everybody behind. I'm leaving God behind. I'm leaving other versions of me behind and we're off. That's and so, so if good. Three year old me showed up and gave 20 year old me a map. It would be the end of my life. I've heard your dad say that, that same thing, man, of like, if God doesn't give you the blueprints, because if you knew the blueprints, you would be like, all right, Master Builder, get out the way. We got this. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Like, thank you very much. And I'll be on my way now. Exactly. Let me go master this thing now. Excuse me, I go ruin my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, surely. Like, <laughs> Man, this has been awesome, guys. I really, really am so appreciative of you guys taking the time to sit down and, and uh, be raw, vulnerable, and uh, just dive in into the heart of a young man. And I want to know if you would... Uh, Real quick, go ahead and share it with everybody where they can find you, um, kind of where to go, what you guys got going on, uh, what platforms they can find you on. Um, I would send people actually to our website, com. From there, you can find our print and our podcast. We're pretty quiet on social media. We have Anson Social, but there's not much going on there, and that's on purpose. Uh, and so com is where you can hook up with our podcast or if you just listen to podcasts search for Anson's Anson's Magazine Anson's Magazine on any streaming app for podcasts guys thank you so much for tuning in we hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Rain in Life podcast let's continue the conversation over at irainandlife.com there you'll find videos podcast episodes and other resources that will help you reign in life Until then, continue to march.